0: Listen, some things you just need to quit. You realize you need to stop doing it, so stop it. Acknowledge and move on. But other things, other things are big, hairy, important, terrifying things. To quit these kinds of things is heavy, emotional, and traumatic. So in this episode, we're going to talk about that. How to quit something that mattered to you at some point. Maybe it's your hobby, maybe it's your passion project, maybe it's the thing that pays all your bills right now. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show! Yeah! That's my morning zoo, it's my morning zoo time. Alright, let's get into the real deal. This is The Fizzle Show where every Friday we publish another conversation for people creating businesses to live life on their own terms. We know it's possible. We've done it. We're doing it. But we also know it's difficult. It's possible. It's amazing. And it's difficult. That's why we do The Fizzle Show. Now, if you want to go deeper than just podcast episodes, if you want to pursue more in-depth guidance to create your business or make your existing business fun again, or just get a creative project off the ground with the chance that it can actually earn you some extra money, we created something just for you. It's not what you think. It's not a course. It's a bunch of courses on all the things you need to know. And they're really enjoyable, actually. And it's not what you think. You don't do it alone. You do it in community. There's a ton of us. And we motivate, encourage, and support each other. It's also not what you think. It's not expensive. It's $35 a month. Are you kidding me? For $35 a month, a community with courses that helps you get your thing off the ground. It's difficult, but it's amazing to create a side project or full-time business that helps you live life on your own terms. And that's why we want you to try Fizzle. So, as a listener to this show, we want to give you five-week free trial when you go to fizzle.co slash try5 because it's possible, it's amazing, and it's difficult what you're trying to do. So, head to fizzle.co slash try5 to start your five-week trial right now. Okay. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 203. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Oh, hey. And because this is kind of a different podcast episode, we actually have an interview with a fizzler inside of here. Really cool. I'm going to read the ad read right now. FreshBooks is sponsoring our podcast today. And FreshBooks is small business accounting software. And it's designed especially for small businesses, especially you freelancers out there. Okay, there's a lot of you, and it helps millions of service-based business owners make everyday invoicing and accounting easy, fast, and secure. Did you hear that? Millions of businesses use FreshBooks. That's wild. Okay, and FreshBooks has been redesigned from the ground up, so you want to check it out. Here's one thing it helps you with. They have this mobile app that helps you take pictures of your receipts, and then FreshBook organizes those for later. Okay, it can also create an expense report for you and it makes claiming expenses at tax time a breeze. I think a lot of you know how gnarly that can be. So if you're into it, check out FreshBooks. They're giving every listener of the Fizzle Show 30-day unrestricted free trial. Okay? You just have to go to FreshBooks.com/slash fizzle and enter the fizzle show in the how did you hear about us section. Our thanks to FreshBooks for supporting independent business and The Fizzle Show. You know, we've all, uh, we've all quit things, right, guys? We, we've all quit things in our life. And sometimes it's like uh, uh, Little League or something like that going all the way back. But sometimes it's bigger stuff. And I, arguably, a lot of those things that we quit, not arguably, like certainty, certainly uh, a lot of those things that we quit are actually contributed, have contributed to the success that we have now, that I have, I have success now in a way that I'm really proud of and happy about and, and thrilled to be working towards every single day, precisely because I quit some things in my life. So I want to hear two stories, one story from each of you about what you quit. I'll tell mine first. And then we're going to have this great interview that I did with a fizzler uh, about a very powerful experience of quitting something. So for me, uh, I, the, I, before I was, uh, right when I moved to Oregon from the Bay Area, California, I, I had a job working in a, in a media company. Uh, and eventually I, I, I decided to go out on my own. And I was like, I can do what these guys do. (laughs) This very strong feeling of, I can do what these guys do. And I did it. I went and created a little company where I was going to be making videos and websites and stuff like that. Uh, I knew... Nothing about running a company. I knew uh, exactly nothing about finding clients, uh, uh, getting people to 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 my website to like understand what I do and then click buy something. I didn't have anything to buy on my website. You know, I knew nothing about productizing my services. Right? These are the things that we get into in our book yourself solid course for freelancers inside of Fizzle, which is amazing. If you're a freelancer and you're not thinking in these terms, you have to take that course right now. Um, but I did that regardless for uh gosh I don't know maybe a, maybe a year I tried to do it for a, a year uh to just get clients somehow I don't know like calling just yellow books like calling people like what I was young and 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 I did not know what but it was my dream like I was doing it on my own I'm capable I have a I have a Mac Pro in my basement in my new house in Portland and I'm I'm doing my own business, and it was horrible. Uh, then I ended up meeting with uh, just some guy who knows everybody in town, Rick Tarosi, who's just talented and been around for forever and knows the world of creative entrepreneurship and all sorts of stuff. And he ended up introducing me to somebody uh, who was starting up a, a company an older guy who had done companies before and he needed a smart, he called it I just need a, I need a sexy young marketing kid and I need a big dumb sales guy. <laughs> and I was the and sexy young the marketing.
1: that's the story of Chase and his best friend.
0: <laughs> yeah. One of my best friends. <laughs> exactly. He's the big dumb sales guy. Um, and uh, I quit doing my own thing. I quit it. Like I, I, I could have done it, but I, For some, I knew it was time to move on. Now I'm going to tell you why I knew it was time to move on after the interview. But first, I want to hear from from you two guys. Steph, what is something that you like that you quit that is kind of responsible for where you are right now in life? uh, Assuming that you you enjoy where you are now more than you enjoyed that.
2: (laughs) I do. Um, (laughs) yeah. So I think, you know, I've talked before and I've talked recently actually about the time I did at Groupon, um, for five years and the
0: time, the time time
2: you did (laughs) did at the, at the pond, as we called it. And, um, Mm. You know, so it was interesting before I came to Fizzle, I was a director of a um, entire department that Mm. kind of happened on accident, which I can talk about more when we get to the uh, explanation part. But uh, I had this mentor who ran the department and he is someone who's very dear to me. He was a tremendous boss, role model in my life. And uh, he ran the department. He was twice my age, um, over 50. And then he decided to take on a different role in the company. And that left me. Um, I was 26. And um, I was vying for this position. I was the interim director at that point, And uh, I was like, trying to interview to get the job forever. That was kind of a grueling process. You could tell the people who literally ran the company, this is like a huge, you know, multinational company. They were like, can we possibly put someone this young (laughs) in charge of this department? Mm. So in a lot of ways, I was like out of my league, but I was doing the job. So it was like kind of a crazy situation. And then people found out how old I was and there was like a whole thing. So I'm doing that and uh, I'm pretty good at it. And I liked it in a lot of ways. However at the same time i also just kind of saw myself getting higher up on this ladder and feeling like um you know what 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 like what's my end game here you know i was looking at mm. the people above me especially females who uh, had made difficult choices about family and i was sort of like staring down the barrel of what that was going to be like for me at the same time as i have this demanding position i started my own business, Miss Corner Office, which was career coaching for women because young women were constantly asking me, how how are you doing what you're doing? So I decided it would be fun to try to coach other people to figuring out what they were good at. So I'm doing this job, you know, at Groupon. I'm managing all these people. I've got this side hustle that I'm doing in my mornings and at night. And I've got some clients and things. And I'm a fizzler at this point, actually. I I joined Fizzle. I found out about Fizzle through Jess Lively um, on her podcast. Corbett was on there. And I totally, I like was this like this training nerd in my job at Groupon. And I loved entrepreneurship and I loved Corbett's story. So I joined Fizzle and I'm like kind of sort of waiting for something in my intuition to tell me what to do next. And, uh, I'll save what happened, but I will say that one day there was this posting from fizzle to, uh, it was a, you guys probably tell me better than me. It was a part-time member success specialist position. And, uh, it was, yeah, I I thought to myself, I'm just going to apply for this. And so I did. And mm-hmm. I can say, <laughs> I can save why I did that. Cause I think, uh, I've talked to you guys before and talked to other people about how that was sort of a ridiculous, crazy decision from where I was standing as like this director of this department having a more than full-time job. I decided to apply for this part-time position, which, which would also require me walking away from my side business. So mm. yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, Corbett, fill us in. What was the thing that you, that you quit that like, if you were still doing now, it would, it would suck more than if, than what you're currently doing. <laughs> and what did you want me to withhold from this story? <laughs> I want to t- I want to save to the end uh after Neville's story about what like exactly how you knew it was time to to like what okay. what when you decided to trust your like why okay. you just trust your intuition. All
1: right, cool. So I I have a bunch of quit stories and I I think um most people do especially these days it seems like the average time that you spend in a job is pretty short but I have a bunch yeah. of quit stories, and um, two of them happened really close back to back. I was a consultant, and I worked for a boutique agency, a lot like uh, Steph's husband does, actually. these There are these agencies out there that uh, are similar to Accenture or Deloitte or something like that, but they're smaller, you know, between uh, several hundred and a thousand people, something like that, and... Um, They basically go into giant corporations with a bunch of people with fancy degrees from uh, top universities and uh, they create some sort of strategy that will help them save a bunch of money or, you know, create some new product or something. And then they bring in an army of project managers and, and technology people and so on to execute a project for a year or two. So I did that for five years and I learned a ton and it's, you know, you're working right next door to people who went to Harvard and MIT and you're learning a lot and you feel really important and they are flying you around the country to work at Fortune 50 companies, these massive, massive companies, but they treat you like crap. You're basically working mm-hmm. 60 or 70 hours a week. You are sleeping in a hotel every night. You're you're home for just about two nights a week. And even though you're making a, a good salary, they just keep dangling this promise of, you know, moving up and becoming a partner one day in front of you. But then you look around at what the partners do and their lives are even worse than yours. So uh, I'll save the the heartache of why I quit that job. But the, the bottom line is it sucked. And I wanted to do something that just allowed me to live a lifestyle instead of uh, only working for a great paycheck. So, I found a a different consulting firm that had uh, an important principle, which was they staffed people locally and Mm -hmm. you got to have a lot of input on which projects you worked on. In the first consulting firm, basically they would just give me a call one day and say, Hey, you're needed in Houston. And then I'd go to Houston and you wouldn't know if you were going to be there for a week or two years. So, it's really hard to have a life and, and have friends back home. Uh, so this new one, they basically were founded by a few guys who had worked in that environment and recognized that there was a lot of great work to be done. If you just treated people better and let them live locally and work on projects that they found interesting. So I joined that firm and had full intention of working there for a very long time because they treated their people really well. They were a, a top place to work in Seattle. And then my wife and I moved to San Francisco And part of the deal was that I helped them open their San Francisco office. I was the first consultant there. And it was by all, you know, on paper, a really great gig. What I didn't anticipate was that I would reconnect with an old colleague of mine from the previous consulting firm who was now working on a new startup idea. And we we started talking about this startup and it became really interesting to me. And for a number of reasons, which I'll save for our second segment, Uh, I ended up quitting this, this new consulting firm that I, that I uh, helped open their San Francisco office because I uh, moved on to this, this startup and I was only there for nine months and I felt bad about leaving so quickly. And I think it could have been a really great gig, but there was just a different path for me, I think.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah. Love these stories. These are stories of like of I'm quitting to move on to a different thing. And we all, every listener of the show has these kinds of stories, whether it's about quitting a job or quitting a softball team or something like that. The things that we quit define where we go in life as much as the things that we succeed in. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I had this conversation. There's a fizzler named Neville, Badzina, who lives in Malta actually, uh, And he was talking on the forums, and I just thought his story was amazing. He had just closed the doors of his startup. Actually, he himself had just uh, resigned from the startup that he started. uh, That he started three years ago, right? So he's been working blood, sweat, and tears nonstop for three years on this thing, and he had just walked away from it, decided decided that who he really was and what he needed to do was walk away from this so in this segment right now which i recorded a call with him uh you're going to hear about this story and i would encourage you to listen carefully because this is the kind of experience that you can learn so much about by hearing someone else's real deal experience with it uh or you can just wait till it happens to you (laughs) so here's my conversation with neville So your uh, your startup, you just walked away from it. You ju- after three years of work, you yeah. you failed, uh, as as is as is commonly referred to, I guess, or as as it's commonly called, you failed. Yeah, and it feels like it. Yep. Tell me yep. a little bit about the company. Tell me about like your hopes that, uh, for what this thing would become when you started it.
3: Uh. <laughs> Actually, you know, I got an English degree. Yeah. uh, uh, That was six years ago. But most people in my course went into teaching. And (laughs) for some reason, I went into marketing and business and startups. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And it was for me temporary, like thinking, oh, what's something that's cool right now? Uh, you know, I was just out of university, and I had done a bunch of events and student stuff yeah and I got a job managing social media for a recruitment company yeah
0: and
3: um, and when I started my startup all all I wanted actually was to be self employed i didn't I didn't mean to start the startup it was an accident yeah uh, so i I just wanted to have enough money to travel um which I did for a while and then I got I went really broke and I had to move back with my parents. (laughs) Um, So I did some freelancing after three years employed. And then I got a friend involved and I I had seen a problem. There was a lot of data not being used in a lot of the companies I was working on. And I said, you know, I'm lazy. I said, wouldn't it be great if there's a robot that just looks at the data and tells me what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I came here at this incubator where I am right now and they told me, you know, you can make millions with that. Right. And I thought, wow, you know, I can, I can get millions, you know, it's, it's like that, that coveted respect of society, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't think about it like that at the time. I actually thought, you know, startups are cool. I had worked with a couple of startups, there's a lot of incentives, there was a lot of money being thrown at us because we were the first one in the incubator. Uh-huh. Uh, I still can't believe they gave us money. Uh, an English graduate and a classics graduate <laughs> trying to do an artificial intelligence startup. Yeah, yeah. But really, uh, you, you and I are both like Alan Watts, right? Yeah. Um, and a friend of mine was visiting me yesterday and he asked me, you know, uh, what would you do if money wasn't an issue. Because I was, you know, going on and on about, I don't know what to do now. And, you know, I went back to when I was 12 years old, and all I wanted to do was write stories. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, like, that's why I studied English. I just, I was a bookworm. I read all the time. I just got lost in, you know, Lord of the Rings and wrote my own stories, fantasy and sci-fi and all that. Uh, But at some point, someone just convinced me that I can't make a living out of it. (laughs) Uh, and that's pissing me off right now because I wrote a lot of stuff.
0: Well, b- before we get into, before we get too deep into, because what I love that you're sharing is, is what you know of your heart that was there from the start of be- basically, right? From there, like you're like, this is what sent me on this journey in the first place. But somewhere in between, I got sort of, uh, I got uh, hung up on opportunity, you know, is what it sounds like. Now, what is, so when I, I say opportunity,
3: what yeah. say that again. I'm quoting you from the podcast you did. I got bamboozled by the word success. You got
0: bamboozled. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I do. I do. I am glad you said that because I I, I I do, I do think that's well put, you know, bamboozled by success, um, and I want to know, I want to, I want to stop there for a second and come back to, you know, this person saying, you, you know, you could make millions from this, yeah. like what, what went on? What, I imagine that was like a, to me, that'd be like a bomb that was dropped inside of my body. And it was, it was exactly like that.
3: I remember I walked out of the office because he was the first manager of the first startup incubator in the country. And we were the first people to meet him, (laughs) or, you know, one of the very first. And when he told us that, I remember looking at my friend, now ex-business partner, and we were like millions, and we were just laughing like two little schoolgirls, really excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, you can still find an old video of us being interviewed on Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I look at it now and I had so much excitement about it. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, I really thought this is what I wanted. So there's that difference between what you think you want and what you really want. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. it's just really tough to, even right now, I just met someone and I got really excited about a potential project. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe let's let's take a step back because, uh, I, because I, always, I always get excited, you know, at the yeah. beginning
0: of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what do you know? Okay, I think that, that a lot of people are going to resonate with that though, right? You just talked about like the difference between what you think you want and what you really want. And then this opportunity comes up again, right? Where it's like, okay, wh- success starts whispering in your ears again. We get excited and you just kind of caught it though for a second. You're like, well, hold on. Let's take some time because I don't even know if this is really what I want, right? And I, I keep thinking of the term opportunity, when I think of that. And as you know, mm-hmm. every small business or w- owner, every, every wannabe entrepreneur, everybody who's working to try to do life on their own terms, come up with an idea that they can fund their own sort of things that yeah. they enjoy, they have to have some sort of a relationship with this word opportunity, or at least we feel like we do, right? Because I can have things in my heart and that's all well and good, uh, but the moment that I try to earn a living from that Is the moment I need to start understanding how markets work, and if there's a demand for that, and how to, you know, how to, how to, how to be artifice, how to bring artifice into it, and a kind of artificiality to drum up more interest, so I can actually do the thing I want to do for a living right it's like this 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 kind of like skeezy sleaziness that's like a lot of us are trying to navigate (laughs) like how do we do this honestly from the heart um without completely selling out right so what have you learned well like just from your experience what have you learned about opportunity
3: it's I think it requires a lot of brutal honesty with yourself because, and I don't know if this is about me or it might apply to others, but when you're driven from your heart, as you said, I tend to go towards things that don't exist or, there isn't really a demand for them and that's exactly why I feel compelled to do something about it. Yeah. But that often means that it's not as much an opportunity um, and it's more of a like a wishful thinking kind of scenario. Yeah. And sometimes like within News, I thought you know I saw a trend I said okay let's 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 imagine the future, there's going to be a lot of data, not enough people, we're going to automate this. And and it's true, companies have been popping up in the three years doing what I was trying to do. Yeah. So, yeah. so in that case, it turned out to be a, a bit of an opportunity, mm-hmm. but it could have easily been sci-fi, you know? Because sometimes yeah. you just kind of kid yourself into thinking, yeah, this is an opportunity, but really it's, it's about making it an opportunity by maybe uncovering if it's really an opportunity and not just wishful thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very, very tough. It's very tough because you have to be very objective and very, fuck, I, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I just fall, fall into this trap all the time. Like I get excited, especially if, if if there's this thing that doesn't exist and maybe you have to stop and say, maybe it doesn't exist because, Right now, there isn't a market for it, yeah. and to create a market for it, it takes a lot of education, uh, educating people over a long period of time, yeah, or you yeah. can just throw money at the problem, yeah. and and create a market like Apple does. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, w- you've got this this uh, complicated relationship with opportunity, which we all have. Uh, You had these hopes when you first started it that kind of were triggered by this relationship to opportunity or this word opportunity, this idea or this sort of spirit opportunity that where it's just like you could make millions from this thing right there's yeah. a possibility and what did you say you said that coveted uh societal approval or something like that right which is which is what's great because I love that you called that out because it's like it's not just the making money it's now being known as someone who makes money or who has made money or you know it's like there's so much at stake with these things so much of our personal value is at stake and our the way that we understand yeah. ourselves is at stake and i and i think we're we're fooling ourselves if we don't realize that we're playing with all of that stuff when we're playing yeah. with starting even just a small lifestyle blog about my travels in you know in the mediterranean or whatever right we're always kind of because this could turn into a thing you know what i mean it could it could happen it could turn into a thing so so i want to know um i love when you're talking about opportunity you're talking about this brutal honesty this need to be objective right right and it sounds like what you were saying was to, to, to know the difference between what's just wishful thinking and what's the real you. Again, we're back to what, the difference between what we think we want and what we really want. So you worked on this thing for three years, okay? You put a yeah. lot of... Tell me about the hustle of this thing. What, what was the hustle like?
3: Oh, uh, man. Uh, yeah, so mostly... It was a matter of it, it really depends where you're taking it. Like in the first year we really didn't know what the hell we were doing, right? Yeah. Um so most of the hustle there, I don't really know what that word means. Yeah. But it, yeah. Most of the hustle there was from my side, from my perspective, I was trying to do freelancing consulting with my digital marketing background, Got
0: it, got it, yeah. So on one side,
3: I was trying to bring in money. Um, On the other hand, we were trying to find out how to build a product. And when we we won a competition, we just hired a student who was a friend of ours, uh, and we just told him, this is what we want, build it. And turns out that wasn't a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You have to be really, like, dive deep into building the product. Um, And it got really technical, which freaked me out because I don't know how this surprised me, but um, yeah, apparently building like an artificial intelligence is really technical. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say, okay, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. But from my side, I was actually trying to do content marketing as well. Yeah, totally, yeah. Uh, So I did a lot of, we had a bunch of interns. So over these three years, I think I've managed 15 interns, there's a lot of demand from universities to place their students. So we just took opportunity and we got free, a lot of free work. Um, and for me, I spent a lot of time teaching them cause I enjoy teaching yeah. and less time trying to bring in money, which maybe was not a good idea. Yeah. And we did a lot of content marketing. So in the beginning we started going for hotels and hospitality cause that's what I knew. Uh-huh. Um, And then we got a bunch of interns. We did a lot of interviews, and I realized that this is going to help agencies. So we pivoted there. We continued doing content marketing all the same time while being years away from actually releasing anything. Yeah. But, uh, But I thought, you know, the earlier the better. But we kept changing direction. We kept changing content style. We kept kind of trying things, but not really committing to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then at one point I just got tired of trying to make it work with interns and we just stopped everything in terms of content marketing. And I said, you know what, we need to bring in money. So I went out there and started doing more consulting. And the more consulting I did, the less we worked on the software. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it it kind of became this whole battle between working on product and working on income.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working on product versus working on income. So you had a product you were developing that was this artificial intelligence thing that was going to help companies, it was going to help agencies, it was going to do a lot of things. But it was it just required a ton of of input that that needed to be worked on. A lot of technology, a lot of things. So the thing was never like prime time enough to just start selling. It wasn't. It wasn't ready to start selling that thing on its own so you had to go freelance and drum up customers for you know actual like here let me help you or let my team help you specifically as a service this yeah. is this is bringing in revenue and that revenue yeah. is helping bo- not only pay your bills and, and get your people paid but also uh, investing into the application is that correct
3: Pretty much, although I never managed to bring in enough revenue on my own uh, mm. to cover the costs. So we, my business partner was actually focused on raising money from investors got at it. the time. Got it. And that's where it all got a bit out of hand for me, because once you get involved with that sort of thing, then we were starting talking about uh, term sheets and yeah. equity and scaling th- 10 times uh, the size and exits yeah. and that that kind of, in the beginning wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I read about it in the blogs and I thought it was cool, you know, Yeah. WhatsApp got got sold and stuff like that, but it was too overwhelming and not, I don't know, I really, it it was necessary. I told myself we need to raise this money um, because we need to hire data scientists. Yeah, um, Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I, I felt overwhelmed all the time.
0: So tell me um, just that, like, like paint me a picture of that overwhelm.
3: <sighs> Honestly, I think it was around this time I discovered the physical show mm-hmm. that it got the worst. Uh, cause I, I, this is why I posted about, uh, going to therapy in the yeah, forums. Yeah. Cause I had a major panic attack. Uh, I was at the gym. I ended up in hospital. And that was, for me, the lowest point. And then I crashed my car I, I, because I wasn't thinking about where I was driving. I was thinking about work. And I I, I think that was the point where I realized, okay, this is for me. Maybe not for someone else, but for me, it had gotten a bit too much. Mm. Um, Yeah, that was kind of the lowest point. But most days, it was just kind of this... Panic, uh, waking up, just thinking, 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 um, trying to do everything like meditating, going for walks. Tell me what? Uh, when,
0: tell me this. What? Like I, I, I'm the pictures forming between the difference between how your life looked then and what you know your life should look like now, like what you feel like is like, no, this is what I really want. Even if I don't know everything, I know that it's not this, this, and this, and this, and this, but I look at, you know, last year, uh, you going and just going like, this is what needs to be done. I have to do what needs to be done. I have to do what needs to be done. I have to do what needs to be done. To do to be done. This is going to be fine. We're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. We're going to, I'm overwhelmed. but yeah. Like we're going to work it out. Right.
3: Oh, well, mostly procrastinating to be honest, because that's how I deal with things. Yeah, like, I kind yeah, of sure. shut down. Because it's overwhelming yeah. and,
0: and it's intense. Yeah. So tell me like like I want I want you if you're comfortable with it to try like talk to that Neville from a year ago. Like tell him what you wish someone would have gotten through to you cuz that that guy or gal is probably listening to the show. Hmm.
3: I think the worst thing you can do that I did was shutting down and not admitting to myself that I was feeling like this, not really. Uh, so I didn't really talk to anyone about it. Um, and do you think when you didn't,
0: I, didn't really know yourself? That you were really feeling like this?
3: Yeah, I didn't really know. Because when you set yourself, when I set myself that goal, I I got committed to it. And I think actually the biggest lesson out of it would be kind of know that it's okay to fail or quit, kind of. Or know that there's a time when you have to recognize that it's too much and be have enough courage and self confidence to 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 know that and not lie to yourself. Mm. Okay, that basically that's it. Stop lying to to yourself. Stop if I lying. Met, yeah, if I met myself a year ago, I would just say, you know, stop lying to yourself. Mm. You're mm. lying to yourself. Um, this is not who you are. This isn't what. And that's the thing. I knew that. I just didn't acknowledge it. It was like in there all along. Yeah. I just lied to myself.
0: Yeah. So, so let's let's pick up the story again. And and you realize this. How did you realize this? And and come to terms with like stopping the company.
3: Um, I actually resigned. The company still going on.
0: Got it. Got it. Got uh, it. Got it. You. So you. So you resigned. You were able, they had yeah. a board of directors and a partner and everybody, and you're like, listen, I'm out of here. I have to go.
3: I had the help of a mentor, actually. Okay. Um, where, basically, I, I met met him at his office one morning, and I, because I was doing a conference with this other company, a joint venture, and I basically spoke with him in depth, mm. and he told me, okay, this isn't working, but you're too emotionally kind of caught up in your own stuff to see it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: So he basically told me, take off your, you know, uh, your employee hat, your owner hat, and be an objective shareholder. Mm -hmm. And say, you know, "If, if I was an objective outsider and the company wanted to be successful, is it hitting its goals? And I was like, okay, no. What are those goals? And we basically outlined milestones. Like, this needs to happen in the product by this date. This money needs to come in by this day, and if not, we're going to have a board meeting, we're going to approve this, and if we don't hit these milestones, we're going to really reevaluate. Mm. And that's actually the thing that helped the most, because then I actually had a kind of something to fall back on and make my argument that to myself that, hey, this isn't really working.
0: Did you uh, did you do that? Did you say like, okay, so I'm gonna make one more plan. If I can't hit these milestones by this time, then I did it twice.
3: Yeah, I did it twice.
0: You did it twice. Can you give me like yeah. one one of the one of the goals, one of the milestones that you gave yourself?
3: Uh, basically, one of them was raising the money, raising investment. money, a yeah. certain
0: amount of money by a certain amount of
3: time. If we can't do that, then yeah, then yeah, yeah. we yeah, then we. Basically, I I called a board meeting, and we discussed why this hasn't happened, and that's why I did it again because we said, "Oh, because this thing didn't happen." Yeah. So I gave it another chance, even though it didn't have the first milestone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was also product milestones, stuff like that. Now, uh, um,
0: now, now, that seems like really, you know, did you? How did that feel to do that?
3: I it didn't feel great. It felt mm. really scary. In fact, mm. yeah. <laughs> the day of the board meeting, I walk into the boardroom. This is a startup incubator. And there were these guys playing table tennis mm-hmm. on the boardroom table. And I just, I'm a really kind of quiet person normally. And they just shouted at these guys, get out. And that's because I was so stressed about the upcoming meeting. Yeah, yeah. And That night I met the guy and he was like, what the hell, man? Why did you do that? Uh, So it was really stressful. But I felt like I was the only one who could do it at the time. So I I just had to do it
0: yeah, um, just for my own sanity. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, I mean, you've told us this story of... This, this young man who had this, this simple idea that kind of came out of an opportunity that he saw and then people were like, you can make millions with this. And the door opened up at this startup incubator and they actually ended up throwing money at you for, to do this thing that allowed you to do, have some interns, to do some stuff, get some partnership in the thing, a board of directors. You were a real startup and you had vision of like, this could potentially do the real thing. They yeah, wanted to
3: sell it to HubSpot.
0: Yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly, right? You had you had acquisition I like ideas. You had uh, like like you know fantasies, some might call them, right? But they're but they're fan their ideas, you know, uh about like this is where this thing could go. That we call that a vision, right? Um yep. you had a vision and it was fueled by this opportunity, but the whole time it just kind of made you crazier and crazier. More overwhelmed and more overwhelmed the more you kind of like got into it because there was a higher intensity. You were doing stuff that was further and further kind of outside your wheelhouse, it sounds like, because just...
3: Wasn't getting paid, I mean. Yeah, I mean, wasn't
0: getting paid, That's another thing. had the survival, had the, your own like sort of physical well-being sort of, and survival sort of question just because you're not getting paid very much. Then your physical well-being questioned uh, or put into question when you have a panic attack or get in a car accident, right? And so you're watching things unravel over a period of time. You talk with this mentor who says, well, look at it this way. If you were on the board here, you, if you were a stakeholder, you would say, OK, so we need these sort of milestones by this time. Otherwise, we're going to have to double down and figure out what's next, um, because they are able to not be so emotional about it. They're able to go like, here, here's what we need. If we can't get it, then it can't be done or we'll yeah. change our, our things or whatever. But for you, it's like, no, this is who I am. If I can't do this, I am a failure. You know, I you were you were like kind of internalizing it almost is what it feels like. And At least that's totally. what that's what I that's what I always do. Would you say you would say you agree with that?
3: yeah totally. totally okay
0: got it and then and then, uh you have this moment. Tell me about the moment that you decided i'm going I'm gonna actually do it. I'm gonna quit this thing.
3: um it kind of happened by accident mm-hmm. as yeah. well, like it started by accident, ended by accident. um yeah, it just came to a head, so the milestones in my mind, we didn't hit them. they were written down. And I just, you know, that was my objective thing. I just kept reading these minutes of the board meeting. And I kept telling myself, okay, you need to quit. But then part of myself was, no, you need to continue. Because people keep telling you to keep trying, you know. Um, And then um, there was a project, a client that we needed to take on. But it was with a kind of company I didn't want to be associated with. Um, The kind of company that if I was unemployed and had to find a job, they would be the last kind of company. It's the industry. I don't like that industry. So it became essentially the worst thing that can happen if I quit is the same thing That will happen if I stay. So if I quit, I I have to work with these kinds of companies that I don't want to work with. And if I stay, I I still have to do that. I just get less money out of it. Yeah. So it became kind of a no-brainer. And then the last thing was a friend of mine um, in an online community, actually, just telling me, you know, do it. Just giving me the last final push.
0: Really? So you had a friend that just was like, what are you doing? Don't fool yourself. Saying to you exactly the same thing you said you would tell, you know, Neville a year ago. She said, trust your intuition. Trust your intuition. Yeah. And what did your intuition say?
3: Uh, well, I, I closed my laptop because I was at the office and I told them, guys, I need a day off to think about things. And uh, they, they essentially knew in the moment that I was going to resign. Yeah. I think, and then when we met again, they were prepared, and everyone it was that was amicable. It was almost anticlimactic, you know.
0: <laughs> really?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds kind of that sounds like a blessing, though. Yeah, it is. And I, I just met my uh, my friend, business partner today. I mean, we still talk. It's not the end of the world, and that's that's also what I would tell myself a year ago. You, you're not going to make enemies because that's what I thought. We're still okay with each other. I think they understood where I'm coming from. Yeah. Uh, which is great.
0: <laughs> so you had the moment, you shut the laptop, you got a day off, you thought about it, you came in, and your fr- after your friend said, trust your intuition, and you just knew it. You knew mm-hmm. this is over because these circumstances had happened you were used, like you said you took this client had come in and you were gonna have to do things you really didn't want to do added on top of work you were already doing uh and then you weren't getting paid anymore for it and so it was like you know
3: this kind of made my decision for me in some ways yeah, it kind of happened naturally, so I didn't want it to happen so soon because now I don't know exactly what to do, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but yeah.
0: So tell me, just like, I want to ask, are you glad you did it?
3: Yes, yes. I'm glad I did it. Um, And at first, I was over justifying it, Um, kind of looking and telling everyone, hey, you know, I resigned, just trying to get that external validation. Yeah. Um, But it's like, (laughs) I. I, li- I like to read sci-fi and they subscribe to this theory that you cannot change the past, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think like every step that led me here needed to happen. So, it's kind of hard to regret it because it is what it is and It
0: feels like it 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 had to happen. Is that what it yeah, said?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It feels yeah, it feels like it like there wasn't another way of doing that. Like I I you did you did all that you could is what it sounds like and that's good because I've been in situations where I didn't do all I could. Um, and I, and you're left with that pit in your stomach. Like, I kind of was a turd in that situation that, that actually is a, is a mark on my conscience, you know, where it sounds like you, you, you have to fight with those feelings of, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't up to the task. I wasn't enough to handle this thing.
3: I wish I, I would have quit before, actually. What, What I'm really struggling with is feeling like. I lied to myself for so long.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, So yeah, sometimes I talk to other people and they might perceive it as a failure, but inside, that's the thing that kind of I I beat myself up with the most, that I I stuck with something for so long even though deep down I knew I should have moved on earlier.
0: So what your friend said, trust your intuition. How is it, what's it like to trust your intuition where you are now?
3: Yeah, so this happened two weeks ago. Um, and it, it hasn't been like, at first there was some relief, but not as much as I thought. And that intuition, it's a really tiny voice, man. It's a really tiny voice and mm. I, keep, I keep losing it. It's like a really weak radio signal and I just keep, have to keep tuning it. Mm because I just, sometimes I lose trust in my intuition. Sometimes I just can't hear it. Yeah. Sometimes it just gets, there's other voices that kind of drown it out. Yeah. Um, and yes, money is one of them. Uh, like this short-term survival yeah. uh, is really freaking me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: stuff like that. Mm. What you experienced was a life of status, and of things that are sexy to our culture, that completely burnt you out. And that completely squished the things that you fall in love with. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you, you got to a place where your body literally was shutting you down because it was like, yeah. this is not who we are. And, uh, <laughs> and that's what I like so much about, uh, I, I really am grateful that you're sharing your story from the heart the way that you are with us at the fizzle show, because I just think it's a beautiful expression of what can happen in these situations. And I have no doubts, uh, or fears about you, Um, because you have a heart that is speaking. And because you've experienced, you clearly are capable talented and, and, and have all of the, all of the raw materials. Right. Um, and it's why Brene Brown says, the most sexy value in our culture still, still to date, is actually courage. And and I resonate with that so hard. And what you have to do now, like the rest of us, and like you did before, is, and like you spent a long time doing, it's like, it's, you know, Tim Carey has that quote, you can fail doing something you don't like so why not try failing doing something you like, right? It's like you can burn out doing something you hate, right? You can yeah. be, co- you, how much, it took you so much courage to do that startup. And you can, it takes so much, it, it, you can be courageous doing something that doesn't, you know, that, that you're not deeply personally interested in. So why not be courageous about something that you are deeply personally interested in? And I think this is a big... I I think that's actually tougher, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure, maybe a little bit. But you wouldn't look back at your last few years and go, that was easy. I guess maybe, I guess in my situation, actually there are some ways in which, because external pressure, like everybody around me was going like, like I get a picture in in your situation everyone around going like dude you're at this you're at this uh incubator they're throwing money at you you got these interns you're teaching them you're like a ceo you're like doing the thing this is awesome yeah. so everybody around you doesn't doubt and in fact they their expectations kind of make you behave a certain way and look where that gets us
3: jesus that's so true yes
0: and, and, <laughs> and so when you'd have to do it for yourself right <clears throat> like you're not going to show walk into the bar, Why and everybody not? goes like, "Hey, here's the guy who wrote the stories." right? <laughs> right? You know It's yeah. like so this is, the, this is the path. This is the way of, of uh, to me, of, of, I don't know, of more than just entrepreneurship, but because, because it's really kind of like the path of, of an individual, of a heart, of a spirit, almost, you know, uh, to become itself um but uh and that's why you know what i always say at fizzle our, our, who we serve is people who want to earn a living doing something they care about but some of our best advice is go work under somebody who where the way that they operate in their work is just like they're so alive and you resonate with how alive they are um because that can teach you so much more about earning a living doing something you care about than starting your own thing.
3: And uh, I think that I took that advice. I might have absorbed it in my many hours listening to the physician show. Oh, good. Because <laughs> uh, I actually set up a coffee meeting with a guy I had met a long time ago. And when I met him, I, I had just said, you know, that's the life, that's the person I want to be. Mm, mm. Um, So, you know, I really believe in mentors. They've really helped me over the years. Yeah. So what you're saying is working for someone who is similar to who you think you want to be will help you see if you you actually want to be that person or similar.
0: Yeah. Because really,
3: we're going to be an accumulation or... A combination of different people we admire you yeah.
0: know yeah well neville man i'm so uh i'm so grateful for your time on the show here and, and for sharing your story man thank you for coming you too on.
3: chase <laughs> thank you
0: okay amazing conversation with neville right guys
2: that's heavy it was really good
0: This is a real fizzler. This is real life. This is like, this is what it looks like sometimes. And I love, love, love that he was brave enough to share this with all of us at the fizzle show. So thank you, Neville. Now I want to get back to our stories because to me, that thing, one of the things that sticks out the most about this conversation with Neville is, uh, is this moment where you decide, like you, you realize like the kind of the moment you realize that you should trust your intuition and actually do this thing. Now, Steph, I'm curious because with you and like you kind of got to like sort of slowly leave Groupon in your mind by doing this stepping towards uh, Miss Corner office, having mm-hmm. a, like a little side freelancing thing going on and then uh, applying to the fizzle sort of thing because it's easy to apply. Did it feel like that was like a that was an easy enough thing to do and we'll see what happens? Is that what that felt like?
2: You know what? In this case, it didn't actually, just because huh. it was a part time position. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, these guys that I listened to on the internet, I was like, what am I doing? And, uh, you know, and so I, I remember too, the, one, of my, one of my first conversations that I had uh, in the interview process when I found out what, what we were talking about from a financial perspective. And realizing that it was significantly less than what I was used to, it was a really big mm. risk actually, and it made yeah. me. It took a lot of conversation with with John, my husband, to figure out if this was a uh, you know worth the leap of faith that I was going to take.
0: Okay, so tell me about the leap. Like, what yeah. what made you tr- Like, decide to do it? Did it feel like you were trusting your intuition? Did it feel like you were taking? A, you said leap of faith yeah, tell me about ab- it.
2: absolutely. I think so. So there's a, a, there were a few things at play. First of all, the part that I mentioned about the this position that I kind of had, you know, as this director level job but I was also kind of vying for, it it occurred to me that I was really coming from a place of ego with that. I was like fighting. I'm a competitive person. I think I've mentioned this before. I'm a competitive dancer <laughs> just because I want to be, not because anyone has asked me to be, but because, you know, just is a thing. I don't know. It's just a quirk about me. I don't know. But, I, it, you know, it occurred to me that because I had like landed in, in this position, I was like fighting tooth and nail for my worth to like prove that I was the long-term pick. and And mm. I was like interviewing people they had me like interviewing people to take this job. It was like a crazy <laughs> mind thing that was going on. Wow, and no, yeah. they, didn't like it. they didn't like anybody better than me. So whatever. But yeah. it, occur- you know, it, it occurred to me that I was, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, why do I even want this? And and it was totally a, I want to show that I, I'm i worth it or that I, you know, I want to stick it to them type of thing in a way. If, and that didn't feel like I was following my truth. That didn't feel aligned. I was When I stopped to ask myself, mm. like, what do I even care about this for other than... My reputation or uh, wealth or prestige or popularity. And that didn't feel good of realizing that I was vying for those things. So that was number one. That probably pushed me closer to Miss Corner Office, actually, because it felt really good what I was doing there. I really cared about this, this uh, mission that I discovered, which was empowering other women to find a path that suited them more than maybe other options that had previously been available. So when I discovered Fizzle, and I felt, I, I will say this, I felt that the message hearing you guys on your podcast, at the time, becoming a member, the first thing that dawned on me was like, whoa, these guys are doing the exact thing that I'm, I am I want to do. This is exactly mm. what I'm trying to do with this like little tiny blog that I had. Mm. And I, I just, I was cons- just like many people who, who listen to the show and tell us all the time, I was consuming like episode after episode, just couldn't get enough of the message and the honesty and the mission. And I felt so aligned. I felt so aligned with it so that when this little part-time position came up, I forwarded it to my mom right away. And I was like, mom, I love these guys. Like I, what if I could work for them? What if I could do what I've wanted to do with Miss Horner office, with a team of people that I really feel like I would vibe with. And so that for me was the leap of faith. That was my thought mm. process was if I can just talk to them. If I can just get on the team, I think maybe, maybe there's a way, who knows, maybe there's a way that I can figure out a way to work with them more than this part-time position. And luckily that's exactly what happened. But that Mm. was a leap of faith to apply and say, you know, if I could just get a conversation, I can see what's available here. And then, but I still had to take that leap of faith. When you guys hired me, there wasn't, you know, that this position wasn't as available as it was then. I had to start lower and in in a different place. So that to me was, again, me saying I had such a good interview process. I enjoyed my conversations with you guys so much. It did feel like the right thing from my intuition. I did believe that with hard work, I would get to where I wanted to go with this company. And that's exactly what happened. But I had no way of knowing. It could have very easily. I remember thinking to myself, okay, the worst thing that happens is I like work with these fizzled dudes for a little while and then I have to figure out something else. I have to go back to work in an office and whatever. I'll figure that out. Thank God Mm. that's not what happened. But I had no way of knowing that at the time.
0: Mm. Yeah. So as you think about your experience with that, um, what, I don't know, like what, What would you say, like, could you go back to Steph as she was thinking about this experience and tell her, what would you tell her to like, like that without giving away, like, here's what's going to happen. You know, what would you tell her to trust in herself?
2: I would say in one, so I had this decision to make, it was actually kind of a three-part decision. If you think about it, stay in this role that I was vying for, go, you know, 100% in on my own business or join Fizzle. And there were like varying degrees of resistance, right? So on one hand, one of the options felt very hard. It felt like a lot of resistance. It was a very difficult time. I didn't feel super valued, even though it was really busting my butt. Um, and then on the other hand, one of the things felt like exciting and um, electrifying and, and kind of like thrilling. So I think I would tell myself, go where the energy is. Because on one hand, I felt like I was running into a brick wall and it was so deflating to put in so much energy and not feel like I was getting anywhere. And and then also to be like, what is this even for? And then I had this other option that felt like a risk. Yes, it did feel, did feel like a risk, but it also felt deeply exciting and uh, relieving even. And it felt like a challenge, but it felt like a good mm-hmm. kind of challenge. It felt like an exciting challenge and the, the the type of challenge that you're eager to get up and take on. So on one hand, resistance, on the other hand, excitement. So I would tell myself, go, go where that exciting energy is.
0: Whoa. That's powerful. Okay, I got it. Corbett, what, what, let's talk about uh, about your experience of, and Steph, as you think about more, just chime in, okay? If you think we'll about anything else. Uh, but Corbett, for yours, like, was it like did you feel like you were trusting your intuition did you feel like you just had a spreadsheet and it all made sense and it's a risk either way it's just that this risk is a little more it calculates more favorably um and if so if it's the latter like what was the column that like put it over the what where did it do was it like one column that you're like did i feel better about this or was it just Mm -hmm. like no feelings at all was it just looking at the data
1: Um, it wasn't just looking at data because there's so many unknowns. So I ended up leaving the consulting firm to, uh, start my own company with a co-founder. And that meant working for no salary at all for an undetermined period of time. And the thing that, you know, um, pushed me in this direction was, uh, here was this guy that I knew who, uh, had an idea already. Uh, I had in the back of my mind forever that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just wasn't sure about how to go about it. I'd even built my own side projects already that didn't take off, but I was clearly, you know, trending in that direction. And then here was, I am in San Francisco, the land of startups, and there's all this energy and, um, it just started to feel like I wanted to, it was more exciting, like Steph said, and it was, it was something that I felt like was in my future at some point point. I just wasn't sure if this was the right time or not. So yeah. the the things that that allowed me to make that decision really were first of all uh my co-founder had uh previous success under his belt already. He had already built and sold a startup, so that gave me some confidence. I didn't feel like I was doing it on my own. And the second mm-hmm. thing was the uh the company that I had worked for for only 9 months that I mentioned before, God bless them, they're so amazing they allowed me to go part-time. I ended up cutting back mm. my hours sort of slowly over time. And so initially I, I cut back by 10 hours or something, and then I just kept cutting more and more as the startup thing was getting heavier and heavier. And you know, at some point I knew that I had to go full-time on the startup because my co-founder was working full-time on the startup. And it's not fair as uh, you know, a, a true co-founder to be working a job when, when others aren't. Uh, and so eventually I knew that I needed to go that way, but we wanted to make a little bit of progress. We also did a little founder dating to see if we could find another co-founder. We didn't end up finding one, but at some point it was just clear that the idea was in place. We had done a lot of due diligence. We had really gotten to know each other. We had worked together for three or four months on this project. We had, uh, signed the paperwork on renting an office. We had a, uh, a part-time developer working for us. And all of this stuff was in place, and then finally, I just cut the cord and told the consulting firm that I was going to go and, and uh, pursue this other thing. And I didn't know if it would be permanent. You know, I figured worst case, if I ended up failing quickly, I could come back and do the consulting thing again. But what I know now is that once that entrepreneurial bug bites you, it's really hard to see yourself going back to uh, to a job again. It's sort of like I think it was Paul Graham that talked about the feeling that a lion who lives in the wild has versus the feeling that a lion who lives in Mm. captivity has. And I think that's the same for me being an entrepreneur. It's just incomparable to working a job. So um, did that answer your question?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. So for you, um, it it just seemed like like one of those, you know, I just feel for all the people, you got to make a hard decision. Do you know what I mean? You just got to make a hard decision. And for Neville, it was like, it just the decision was being made for him all around him and it took him forever to try to like kind of finally like surrender to it not forever but it took a while to just sort of surrender to like this actually isn't who I am mm-hmm. you know uh and Steph it sounds like you were starting to experience that at Groupon mm-hmm. like all of the resistance that you were starting to like oh my god and you're gonna win this thing for what like yeah. like a year and a half from now you're like why did I work so why What is mm-hmm. this isn't the thing and your advice being go where the energy is Corbett would you say something different to your younger self as e- even though you know that startup like f- famous like like you you had to you had to cut and run from that startup because of the relationship with, with with the founder and and other things so if you could go back to to the Corbett that was leaving that consultancy heading towards the thing, would you give yourself any advice if you couldn't tell him what what, what it was going to happen?
1: Um, man, that's a hard one. So yeah. a lot of the advice, I, I I would have a lot of advice for myself. A lot of it would be around the startup itself. Um, I may have had the advice to join a, a startup that was a little further along instead of trying to be a, a full mm. co-founder to begin with. Maybe join yeah. as you know the, the fifth person in a in a startup that has already gotten some funding and has some promise or uh maybe a, a founding team that's a little more proven or something i i think mm. you know to my i forget how old i was 27 or 28 or something um it was just a lot to expect uh not having any real business experience other than working in fortune 500s or whatever which gives you virtually little um no entrepreneurial experience whatsoever. You feel like you know business, but really you have no clue. So, you know, I, I think that would be a a better path. And I, I see people all the time who have the bug to be an entrepreneur or to work in a startup as a co-founder. And I just think, man, there are so many, uh, hot promising startups out there. I think you could do yourself a lot less stress and probably Hmm. learn quicker if, uh, you know, you, you weren't in charge of the thing. When I was listening to Neville's story, a lot of it to me sounded like, well, that's what the emotional roller coaster of being an entrepreneur does to you. That's what all the stress of being a co-founder does to you. And the first yeah. time through, you know, maybe you would learn a lot more sort of like you did, Chase, by working yeah. in a slightly bigger organization. It's still a tiny startup, but you're not yeah. putting all this weight on your shoulders that you're probably not capable of of handling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just to for just to put a, a cap on, on my story, I ended up getting a job at a tiny startup, uh, where I was the, you know, the, I quit my, my first company that I ever started. I failed. And then I got a job as a smart marketing kid, uh, and, uh, at this little startup and it ended up being one of the most growing experiences of my life. And I, I think, uh, it, because I was mentored by a guy, I never had a real mentor before. I uh, actually just had lunch with him today. By the way, It was oh, nice. great. Um, he had a, he has a buddy. who's like, "Hey Chase, we my my buddy just needs some help, like thinking about his business. Just come, just talk about it, whatever. I'll buy you lunch." <laughs> it was great. Um, and but he taught me, he taught me so many enormously powerful lessons that I would have never been able to pick up from any 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 books, mm-hmm. from any 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 training um and so my i think corbett my my advice to to me as i was making thinking about making that decision would have been very very similar to yours just like hey pal you actually don't know as much as you think you do like the and you have years and years and years and years you have so many years to learn some stuff like go work you, it's imp- it's imperative that the company you work for is sort of startupy or is fresh or can make room for you in some ways but you don't have to, you don't, you, you don't have to do it all by yourself. You, not yet. You will. You can, and you, you could. You're capable of that. But you are going to have so many battle scars, and you have such a hard heart if you do this all yourself for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think I would say very, very similar thing. But and then now, knowing what I know now, I wish I could say to uh, every transition I've ever made exactly what Steph was saying: follow the energy, like go to where the energy is. Like just if it's feeling like resistance, look at it. Make sure you're not just afraid of yourself. But chances are, like you just know what feels better, yeah. and why not pursue what feels better? Because you can fail doing something you hate, so maybe yeah. fail doing something you like.
2: I mean, <laughs> Do you know t- what I mean? And to that end, you know, I think it's tempting. At least going back to where I was, I. I think in some ways I was <laughs> I was kind of hoping that if I just waited long enough, like that the the full truth would like reveal itself and it would be like super clear what was going to happen. And I think what I learned and what I'll keep in mind for any future transitions is you really can't see the whole picture. Like there's no mm. way to know for sure before you make this decision. Like you're just not going to know. You're not going to know. Yeah. Just like we talk about with our businesses, it's uh, everything's a hypothesis. It's really no different with the story of your life, right? Like it's not going yeah. to be 100% clear. I don't think think the best things feel 100% safe. And so you kind of have to, for me, I found I had to ask myself, which thing would I regret more? And in my case, I was like, I got to take a chance on this. And I mm. need to be okay with the fact that this could be a chance that I take it. I say, mm, it didn't work out. But you got to, I think that's part of it, too, is like, which way am I going to have more regret in some ways, you know?
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so these are all stories and and lessons learned from from moments and, and, and projects, uh, commitments, careers and jobs that we've quit, right? And uh, I, I we lay these out here for all of you Fizzle Show listeners who uh, who just just in the in the off chance that this might help you make your decision, because uh, these are very trying, difficult decisions to make but they are necessary and they will be a big, big factor in who you become and what your career looks like and what you create. And so we wish you Godspeed and good luck and, uh, and know that you're not alone in these sorts of decisions that, uh, Steph, I love that you were able to reach out to your mom and, and show her (laughs) like, just like, Hey, what if I did this? I didn't have, I don't think I didn't, I have my wife, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know if she I, I, I didn't feel like she knew enough about me at that time, like where I was going and who I really was. You know, I didn't trust like I needed someone to go like, oh, I know who you are, kid. Yeah, this Mm -hmm. is what you need to do. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I wanted that so bad. Mm -hmm. But no, it's like you never know. You never know the full thing. You never, like Corbett said, you never, like there's just, there's no way to have all the data. Mm -hmm. And so you got to make your best decision that you can. And we're rooting for you. And we'll be here when you're on the other side smelling like smoke, but at least you're alive. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves.
2: I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Steph Crowder
0: and, and we'll, we'll, see see there. There. We'll, we'll see you there or we'll see you, on you another, another time so there you have it alright our thanks so much to you Neville for being brave enough to share we loved hearing from you You can get all the show notes at fizzleshow.co slash two zero three, which is also where you'll find a big old article I wrote on this topic, sharing three things you can do right now to help you make a decision about this thing you might need to quit. Right? Really helpful article. I think you're going to like it. Uh, And while you're there, Why don't you download the new business toolkit? It's a group of several PDF guides, each walking you through an essential modern business truth. You can get that at fizzleshow.co slash 20 Here's an iTunes review from Matius in Poland who says, Very warm, knowledgeable, and helpful founders attract similar people and a community like no other. The podcast gives a lot of value and fun at the same time. But in case you didn't know, that's only the beginning. Then he goes on to mention our blog and and then fizzle.co where he's a member and he says that on one hand, Fizzle Show is the best. But on the other, I can't stop wondering if I would be running a business already had I stopped wasting time on hours of research analysis and instead joined Fizzle. Here, you've got everything distilled in one place. And for the time being, it looks like it's a solution to my needs. Awesome, Matius. Thank you so much for the reviews. Matius Reviews. Our goal here, dear listener, is to help you make progress on your business every single week. Every single week, we want to put out a podcast episode and blog post that's going to help you just reach that goal. Uh, If you leave an iTunes review, I'd love, I'd love, love, love to read it. So please read it or do the thing, do the thing. You know what to do. iTunes, Fizzle Show, click right review. I'd love it. Thank you. All right. Jeez. Gosh, that was a heavy, heavy, heavy conversation with Neville. I'm so glad that he shared that stuff. It's a heavy concept, heavy story. And I just got done writing and then rewriting the article that you'll find at fizzleshow.co slash 203. It, 'Cause it was heavy. I had to rewrite it was so like, heavy, man. For any of you thinking about needing to quit a thing, I feel for you. I've been there. Find care, take care, serve hard and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.